Hello, everyone, and welcome to day two, or episode two, of Mixed Relations, the show that discusses anything and everything. So today, let's meet our dream team. Anyone? I'm Andrea. Yeah, welcome back, Andrea. Thank you. Or Andrea. Does it matter if I say Andrea instead? No, it doesn't matter. I go by both. Hi. I'm Tyler. I used to be a potato, but now I'm a real boy. <laughs> <laughs> and last. What's up, y'all? My name is Jay, representing Raleigh and Gardner. 919, same here, repping the Raleigh. Hey. I'm sorry Brian, that you but... have to be the monolith for the entire Raleigh area. <laughs> Yes, yeah. Both of us here repping the 919, Jay and I. Anyways, let's just cut right to the chase, get right to talking about our topic for today. So recently, a very sudden turn of events occurred. It was the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg that broke the news. And uh, at the age of 87, and uh, left behind quite a legacy, I must say, being a trailblazer for many women. So uh, with that, uh, what do you guys think? I think, so this isn't really like, this is something I think, but I think it's funny because like, I feel like most of the response to her death was pretty like, you know, everybody was sad about it. Um, But I have some pretty radical friends that are like, I like screw all of you who care about this person's uh, legacy. She didn't help the oppressed and all this stuff. And it makes me wonder like, and that's what I'm actually excited about to hear about what you guys know about her um, to kind of analyze what it is that she did for the US government um, and the US in general and like the US people and kind of measure the extent to which it actually helped the oppressed people whatever that means to y'all. I mean, you have to think about how Ruth Bader Ginsburg was able to help or not able to help oppress people. You have to look at how much a judge in general is able to do that. And then look at how much a Supreme Court justice, who isn't really a judge in the sense that most judges are, Supreme Court justices literally say pretty much just whether or not laws should be laws and how much of the law should be legal or not. That's all a Supreme Court justice really does. So I guess whatever um, decisions that Ruth Bader Ginsburg came up with that were part of winning resolutions and winning decisions in the court that did directly help, you know, communities of low income, communities of color, communities with lots of LGBTQ individuals or high um, disability populations, like, yeah, sure, Ruth Bader Ginsburg did that, but because of the nature of her position and also the nature of the health issues that she faced in her later years, like she wasn't able to directly do much, but her icon status is definitely what most people know her for. And I feel like the way she has directly done the most good to the citizens of America and not just 
American culture or the American legal system. Well said. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, um, this is a remarkable thing too. Um, found out that she is one of four women that have served in the Supreme Court so far. So, and she, how would you say she didn't help? You talked about like um, her, her health problems coming in the way in a sense. Um, how else? She had many bouts of, uh, with cancer. Yeah, she was, she was in that octagon quite a few times. I don't know terribly, I don't know as much about Ruth Bader Ginsburg as I wish I did. I know what I would want to find out about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Now would be the best time for me to find out about it because everybody's propping up all of these news stories and different articles and videos and such touting her legacy. But um, like something that I have noticed is that a lot of it is focusing more on her celebrity status, more so how people perceive her and her legacy and not necessarily what she actually did, what she actually said, what she actually advocates for. Because yes, back when um, late Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia was still alive, they fought sometimes bitterly when they were like in the job, when they were coming up with resolutions, decisions for the future of America. But at the same time, they worked together for decades they had i'm sure they had lots of parties together i'm sure they got like drunk together and did christmas carols together and stuff like that you know so like bruce Bader ginsburg definitely did a lot in terms of the legal system of this country and she did and every not every decision that she made was a winning decision granted especially because of the nature of how the supreme court is used by the executive branch but oh, when yes. she oh. I was going to say, I'm semi-joking. She probably didn't do Christmas carols because she's Jewish. <laughs> yeah, uh, practicing Jew from what I've read. Yeah, I, I, again, I, it was just a bad joke. <laughs> Ew. At the I same time, would the American the whole legal series. system recognize her Jewish heritage? What did you say? I'm sorry. Would the legal system want to recognize her Jewish heritage? Yeah, because like I was about to make a question or ask a question about that was the reason why she didn't practice her religion was because of assimilation because her family or her parents, they were immigrants. That's definitely like a very, um, like a, I'm, I'm part Jewish. So like there's, I, I know some, some things and others about like uh, Judaism as a heritage and how like families that emigrate, um, it's very common for them to hide their Judaism. And like you said, assimilate. Um, I actually found out that like, there are parts of my family who were Jewish origin, but like that information kind of got hidden away over time. Um, so that's really interesting. That's a really good point. I didn't even think about that. Like, you know, as a, as a millennial part Jew, if that makes any sense, I have like, there's a lot less discrimination against people like me than there was against 
people like Ginsburg. So you're right, maybe she did um, choose to not practice as a result of trying to uphold her status as like, you know, something as a, a, to be respected among, among a predominantly Christian government. Yeah, it's a very good point to make. Yeah, absolutely. Back in the day when uh, discrimination was the norm and just accepted with a grain of salt. I don't think discrimination was ever truly accepted in America. There is all, like throughout history, you can find examples of people and organizations that fight against oppression, discrimination, you know, intolerance throughout America's history, no matter how small the group might be, no matter how small their pull might have been. What I think is the difference between America back when it was founded versus America during the Civil War, America during the Great Depression, America during probably the last big, super big political period was the Vietnam War, and then America now, like people of marginalized communities, people that have not always had a chance to be in the spotlight, as time progressed further and further got that ability, whether it be through media like TV and movies and stuff, whether it be through books portraying them as, you know, positive, noteworthy, even sometimes role model protagonists, you know, like people just became more accepting and they wanted to, you know, see everything, not just through one lens. And I think that's a big part of the reason why people are more accepting today, but still not accepting at all. Because right now, I think we're still in the idea of, oh, we want to see stories about all of these people in the most positive light possible. But I don't think America's at the point where we still want to actually see these people live positive lives, you know? And that's something that I think Ruth Bader Ginsburg knew quite a bit about considering her identity and the importance that she held in the court. And she used that to the best of her ability when she was in the court. But of course, with the current administration, she was not able to do nearly as much as I'm sure she would have liked to in the past. Not even four years, like the past 10 years since the Tea Party revolution of 2010. Kind of to go off of what you're saying about like, you know, her trying her best to like kind of like circling it all back to like the whole, for me, like my frustration at, uh, you know, I consider myself pretty radical. I have like pretty radical friends, but some radical friends like are very um, critical of uh, historical figures and and figures in general, which they should be. We all should be. But um, anyway, like, uh, I just, you know, again, I don't know uh, rulings off the top of my head. So I just kind of Googled real quick some rulings that Bader Ginsburg had a hand in. And basically every instance that I see that the ruling has to do with some sort of discrimination, namely, um, I think it's Obergefell versus Hodges in 2015. And then U.S. versus Virginia in 96. The first case you mentioned, I'm almost positive that's the 
case that legalized same-sex marriage. It is. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. And she, and she like, you know, she was one of the people that voted for that. And like, that may not seem like a big deal. Um, when you say, well, like, you know, if she's, if she's, uh, inclusive, if she's supportive of of LGBTQ people, then of course she's going to vote for that. And it's like, yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, like, you know, for her to have, like, she, she didn't just end up the Supreme Court justice to, like have that position to be able to vote yes same-sex marriages should be allowed like she worked her entire life to get to that point to be able to make that decision for lgbtq people same thing with like um the other case that i see here is us versus virginia in 96 which again 96 was like before the 2000s before like media before a lot of movements um like online movements really that for zoom have, meetings for zoom meetings um <laughs> before like us young people are like you know becoming more and more radicalized exponentially speaking um there the case was about a certain college that was like all males or something Virginia and military institute the last all-male admissions policy um, right school which goes to show, like, again, in 96, she was one of the people that voted for uh, getting rid of that, like getting rid of that discriminatory policy of that university. Like, that's a really interesting thing to think about that happened before the turn of the century. That's kind of crazy to think about, because I think five years earlier was Anita Hill. Yeah. Yeah. Five years earlier was Anita Hill. And that didn't shake Ruth Bader Ginsburg, that didn't like change her worldview, whether it was herself or outside forces pressuring her. She still continued to be who she was and she powered through. Another thing um, that you made me think about, Drea, is that not only, you're right, she didn't just become a Supreme Court justice. She had to have held these views and move forward with them and preach them enough to even just get into law school at the time she did, or I don't exactly know how she managed to gain her legal expertise. I'm sure she had yeah, to be you a have lawyer to go to, at some part. Yeah, you have, to go to, uh, you have to go to law school and be a lawyer before you're a judge and before you're- Or well, I don't know how it worked back when she became a judge. No, I'm, I'm, like, I'm pretty sure it's the same thing. It, I'm yeah, just saying it might have been more difficult for her as like a woman, especially oh, as yeah. a Jewish Yeah, 100%. Woman. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you meant like the process of like becoming a Supreme Court oh, justice. Oh, no. I meant like they just straight not straight up might not have let her be right. it, depending on who they were talking with, you know? Exactly. Yeah, welcome to the Andrea and Tyler hour here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jay, what, what, what do you have to say about all of this? Well, honestly, like, I think that Ruth Bader Ginsburg, she had a huge, enormous amount of courage to stand up and challenge the system because, you know, like, it was rare for women to be a part of the uh, justice system. And, you know, because, like, when America was first set up, they didn't want women to have an education. Yeah, we've only had 101 years of women being able to vote. Yeah, which is really sad. And, you know, women, like, they've been deprived for such a long time of their right to have a voice and to have some type of control. 
and to be put on some type of pedestal. It's just like they were kind of like they were supposed to compliment the men because like men were put on a higher pedestal than women from what like I've been learning about in history. Mm-hmm. Generally, that's been how it's um, that's been sort of the I guess societal structure in most cultures for the past however long we've been on Earth. It didn't start with me. It didn't start with us. And I find it interesting how um, in you, you look in rather ancient historical figures, like how many women could you name from like prehistoric times? Say that again? Like with the way, how we talked about like with the way men are put on higher pedestals than women, right? Mm-hmm. And how that's unfortunately been the way for quite a while. Try naming a real ancient history figure that uh, was a woman. Because, you know, they're Cleopatra. basically, besi- I was thinking Cleopatra, besides her, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're trying to say how, like, you're trying to point to the fact that, like, we don't even know that many uh, female historical figures from, like, ancient history or just, like, from, like you know, the older we get, the, the farther back we go, the fewer names we know because of the fact that they've been undermined and kind of tucked away. And likely erased by other people, who knows? Yeah, there's, like, um, even, like, was it, oh, God, I'm going to throw out a name real quick, and I don't know if this is it. I think it's Einstein. Um it's like, it's like, a, it's a scientist that like, is like really important. I know that sounds really random, but like, there's like a really important scientist and I don't even remember which one. And I'm sure if I did a quick Google search, I could figure it out. But basically his wife did like probably half the research with him, if not like had the initiative for like half the things that they did. So uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's something with the very few women as you go back in time less and less women sort of influencing ancient history. With that, Tyler, you were, what is it about uh, commodifying Ruth Bader Ginsburg? Yeah, basically just like a lot of people who, I can't even say just liberals and leftists because there are some people, there are some moderates, there are some people right of center that do go against the grain of a lot of the people in their camp and do actually respect and admire Ruth Bader Ginsburg and her work. But the people that are commodifying her um, passing, commodifying her identity and her legacy, most definitely are liberals, people who are left of center, people who I think are facing, you know, a very real dilemma of, you know, not really having a whole lot of powerful political figures that can stand up against this administration. So the death of such a huge, powerful, notable icon, like in 2018, Ruth Bader Ginsburg had two movies made about her, two by the same distribution company. Oh yeah, I think it's, I'm, uh, I, again, I'm just kind of like going through like some random media that I run into. And like, I know that obviously like mass media and like, social media is going to like talk about or is going to commodify anyone that just kind of comes up on the radar more frequently 
but there's even like I just found an article by like a political science uh, professor, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Um, like, and the, the title is "Notoriously Ruthless: The Idolization of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg." So there's even like actual contemporary academic research on what it means to like idolize and commodify, like you're saying, like a Supreme Court justice, especially like RGB because of the fact, or I mean, R RBG, she's, I just said it opposite, um, because of the fact that like, uh, she's a woman and she's, I mean, she's Jewish, she's a woman, she's, uh, it's in this day and age. So she's like kind of involved or not involved, but has played a role in like contemporary um, media and that kind of stuff. So it's like, Again, it just kind of blows my mind. I'm like, oh, wait, like, I kind of missed this. I kind of missed the fact that she's been idolized and commodified. Uh, I kind of did not notice that that was happening until she passed away. Yeah, in such mm -hmm. a way that maybe uh, we're going too far as to dishonor her legacy a little bit. Yeah, probably. Because, like, you know, it's in a way, I, sh I don't want to say it's okay to not... Um, it's, it's not okay to like, you know, um, not support discriminate, uh, how do I put this? Um, the instances that she did not make the best decisions for marginalized communities, it's not okay. However, the idea of the expectation that she has to make every perfect decision is kind of daunting. Um, and I, I kind of just wanted to like, again, point to like some things that I found. Um, apparently she like one time expressed uh, concern for uh, Trump's election. Like, she, I mean, so like that Trump would be elected. Yeah. And, yeah. And then like every, everybody freaked out and was like, how dare you? Like you shouldn't be involved in partisan politics and that kind of stuff. And it's like, dang, like she can't even, <laughs> she can't even comment. Like she can't, she has to just kind of like turn a blind eye to the fact that like Trump's getting, Trump may be elected. Like she even, she even said something along the lines of um, like the fact that Hillary didn't win had like was probably part, partly because of sexism and everybody was upset about that. And it's, I mean, I get that like as a Supreme Court justice, you're supposed to be like nonpartisan and removed and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I it just, it, it really blows my mind. It's like, oh, well, th this person is not allowed to be a person. Like this person is only their role and only their career or like, yeah. at least, like that's how they're expecting her to be. That's exactly how they do when someone tries to test the system. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> but there are definitely issues and things that she did or didn't do. Apparently, um, she, uh, like, let me see. In a particular, in so she had like a dissenting opinion in Bush versus Gore, um, and then in that like draft or whatever, and like her talking about it, she kind of alluded to black voter suppression in Florida. This is a uh, The Nation article. I don't know uh, the dark side of the cult of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And, um, and because she didn't really like discuss and she didn't really like um, include the black voter suppression conversation as a part of her dissent and she just kind of like mentioned it, um, 
she was accused of like using that uh, as a provocative thing as a kind of like to grab attention and that kind of stuff and like you know maybe that's true maybe maybe she really didn't like care that much about the black voter suppression happening and she just used it to be provocative that's very possible you know and that, i think that's interesting as well to think about like because like that's that doesn't mean that she that doesn't mean that she doesn't care about black voter suppression but it may mean that she didn't recognize that she was only using it in that conversation for the purpose of garnering attention if that makes any sense yeah like um, she made a reference to it but it did not exactly elaborate i suppose yeah right that's interesting that, um that actually reminds me of um there was a, a a meme one of the one of the famous cursed files you can find on the internet there was a meme that was going around uh for probably still is going around shortly following her death based um and it was talking about the protests happening at nfl games that was largely spearheaded by colin kaepernick and basically um the meme was and i'm paraphrasing here the meme was ruth Bader ginsburg reacting to the protests and she was saying oh why are you disrespecting the troops why are you disrespecting the flag ah, yada 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 but then um a lot of the times that I did see that meme pop up on like Twitter or Reddit or YouTube, I would always see people like in the comments saying, actually, she just said this because she did not really know much about the protests back when they first happened and the words that she spoke, which apparently were somewhat true. I haven't looked up. I haven't I'm looked it up, it up enough right to now. find out. Yeah, thank you. But um, she said... Apparently she said, I think it's really dumb that she wouldn't arrest them for doing it, but she would call the protest disrespectful, ridiculous, offensive, and arrogant. Um, and you're right, maybe. maybe but apparently she, that was said, um, the reason she said that about the protest was because a friend had told her what was going on, but she didn't actually witness what was happening herself. So she was reacting to somebody's retelling. Right. So it wasn't like a true thing. But at the same point, like if Ruth Bader Ginsburg had actually saw that, would she have felt the same way? Does the fact that she reacted so quickly and dismissively to a story she did not witness herself show that she doesn't normally or typically think about the plight Black Americans face, right. especially in regards to police brutality or suppression by the by authoritarian bodies, whether it be the government or the police. You know, like that's definitely something to think about. But really well spoken, yeah. on a small note, but also on the same coin, um, I'm my a lot of my family is from New York, so I don't have a I don't know a whole lot of Jewish people, but my family has a like we have a lot of Jewish friends. And, um, but one thing that my mom notes about some white Jewish women that she's encountered in particular is that Jewish people have gone through a lot of oppression in just in general, not even just in America, but oppression in general. Even if just looking back at the past hundred years, it's obvious, you know, what Jewish women might have and definitely did go through. And sometimes my mom 
has gotten into very fierce arguments with white Jewish women, especially my Aunt Barbara, because, you know, there, there are debates. With my about, Aunt Marilyn. <laughs> there are often debates amongst, you know, American marginalized communities about who has had it worse, you know? Like, oh yeah, you guys had slavery, but we had the Holocaust. Oh, but why yeah, does you guys that matter? I know, right? Like, it's it's so silly. Yeah, That's definitely a viewpoint that a lot anyway. of people have. Right? No, like like honestly, like period, like it's an issue because uh, like uh, my aunt Marilyn, she's uh, she's a uh, ninety ninety eight. I no. No, 94. I don't know. She's like, she's up there. She's like 90, something like that. She was playing um, stickball with RBG. Yeah, ah! basically. She's Jewish. She's from New York. They grew up poor and she's very entitled. In fact, when I posted about um, Kaepernick, she like, <laughs> she like messaged me on Facebook and was like, Andrea, you are a spoiled, ignorant brat who has had everything handed to her and you don't understand the, like, the situation or the, the oppressions that I've experienced and therefore uh, your perspective on Kaepernick is invalid and all this stuff. <laughs> and I'm laughing about it, but it's obviously awful. But I was like, I was like, I legitimately thought that she had been hacked. Like, I called her and I was like, Hey, Auntie M, I just wanted to know. Um, Wait, she didn't tell you this, like, oh, like with her own voice. No, well, she it, like she lives in Florida. I never see her. She messaged me on Facebook. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't oh, like a No, but I called her right, and I was like, Hey, Auntie M, like, is this you? Did you get hacked? Because I've never, I've never had like a conversation about anything like, you know, vaguely political with her or whatever. And she was like, no, that was me. And I think, <laughs> like, wow. I, I, was like, I was like, whoa, like, you're really like that. And it's so ironic to me because my dad, who was only like a handful of years younger than her, my dad's 84, so I think she's probably like 90. Um, my dad's not like that at all. Like, my dad's an old white Jewish man who, like, you know, has got a great tan. He's, he's like orange, like, <laughs> but like good yeah, orange. He was playing football like... with Donald Trump. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. My dad hates no! Donald Trump. My dad w could probably get arrested for the for the like murder like comments that he's made about Donald Trump, and he like hates anything in relation to discrimination. My dad's like super inclusive. He loves all people. Like he he's like the young people know what they're doing. Like he's like. The young people are going to change this country for the better. <laughs> um, so it's just like crazy to you because like they grew up together and like one of them's like, you know, screw Colin Kaepernick and the other one's like, I want to kill Donald Trump. <laughs> it's just very interesting. We love sibling dichotomies. <laughs> yeah. I love Jay's face. Jay's face is like, <laughs> we like, love go. contentious I just want to go back to what this dude said a moment ago playing stickball with RBG bro <laughs> that had me weak man <laughs> no, I'm, I'm almost this is a good I'm pretty place sure to Ginsburg remind everyone next time you're playing stickball yeah I'm pretty sure she is 
Next time, yeah, I mean, you're playing like stick literally, ball in America, some of my family could have been playing stickball with Rusevsburg. <laughs> Remember, like, ladies and gentlemen of America, next time you're playing uh, stickball, figure out who you're playing it with. You may remember it one day. You might have been playing stickball with RBG. She's from Brooklyn, by the way. Yeah. Uh huh. Yep. My dad. My she dad was definitely was playing stickball with some of my older relatives. <laughs> yeah. If she, if Ruth Bader Ginsburg ever went into Crown Heights, definitely she met my aunt Doc. I know she met my. Yeah, she definitely met my aunt Doc because they're they were born the same year. Oh, yeah. for real? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. And yeah. if she really did play with, play stickball, the two of them, I mean, I'm going to have to call my aunt Dot from beyond the grave because she's also passed away. But I'm sure my aunt Dot played stickball with RBG, I'm sure. I'll have to ask some of my aunt Dot's kids. Well, that sounds like it would be some good, <laughs> make for some good stories, I'm sure. <laughs> well, this discussion has been wonderful. Yeah, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, of course, was known for her very feisty uh, opinions as well. We know a bit about that. With that, I think the moral of the story is, remember who you play stickball with. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, also, help control the virus population. Have your hands washed and your masks worn. We'll see you next time on episode three of Mixed Relations.